This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. We read from God's Word this morning from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Before reading from the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 38, and it's explanation of the fourth commandment. We read from Hebrews 10, the first 25 verses. Hebrews 10, 1 through 25. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein which are offering offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with thee, with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, 
Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. You read that far in God's inspired Word. Turn now to the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 38. Heidelberg Catechism is explaining the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained and that I, especially on the Sabbath, that is, on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God to hear His Word, to use the sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord, and contribute to the relief of the poor as becomes a Christian. Secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works, and yield myself to the Lord to work by His Holy Spirit in me, and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews 10, especially verses 24 and 25 that we read, are pertinent as we consider the Heidelberg Catechism's explanation of the fourth commandment. Not only verses 24 and 25, but the first part of the chapter is important. In Hebrews 10, we find, first of all, the doctrinal section. Often the epistles of the New Testament have a doctrinal section, and then the application or the practical application of that doctrine. We find the doctrine of the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the first part of Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10.14 sums up what comes in the first verses of Hebrews 10. Verse 14, for by one offering, that word one is emphasized throughout the chapter, by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus alone is the one sacrifice sufficient for the covering over of all of our sins. That's the Gospel. The Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews, as the name of the book indicates, to write to Jews who held to an error regarding this gospel. There were many Jews who were unbelieving, who had rejected Jesus Christ. 
And these Jews thought that they could cover their sins with the blood of bulls and goats. Many had thought that in the Old Testament before Jesus, and many continue to think that in the New Testament. They thought that the sacrifices of the ceremonial law could be of atonement for them. And along with that, many Jews thought that in bringing their sacrifices, that is, in doing good works, they could wash away their sins. But the writer of Hebrews makes clear the Gospel in verse 4 that it is not possible for the blood of animals, these bulls and goats, to wash away sins. In the Old Testament, they were simply signs, pictures, types which pointed ahead to the one sacrifice, the Messiah Himself, who could wash away our sins. That is the doctrine we find in this first part of Hebrews 10. And having given that doctrine of the Gospel of the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then the writer of Hebrews becomes practical as a thankful response for this wondrous Gospel, the writer of Hebrews gives three exhortations or three callings to the church. Verse 22 is the first one. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And to sum up that first exhortation, it is a call to prayer. The chief part of thanks. Knowing what Jesus has done. Knowing He is our High Priest who has offered that one sacrifice and, and brings us, ushers us into the presence of God. Pray. Draw near unto God in full assurance of faith. Second, in response to this Gospel, we have the calling of verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. So pray. And secondly, hold to the doctrine that you have been taught. The doctrines of the Gospel. Don't waver. And third, in response to this Gospel, verse 24 and 25, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Out of thanks for this doctrine of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, don't think only of yourself. Think of others. Think of others to provoke them unto good works and love. What's the manner or how do we provoke one another unto good works and love? Verse 25 continues, pertinent to the Sabbath day truth that we consider today, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but rather exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The fourth commandment is about this assembling of ourselves together. It is about worship. We've seen that to be the case in the first table of the law. The first commandment had to do with whom we worship. God alone is revealed in the Bible and no other gods. The second commandment had to do with the manner of our worship. Only as God is prescribed in His Word and not by graven images. The third commandment had to do with worship as well. About the heart of worship. We come to God's house and worship with fear and reverence and not in vain taking His name lightly. 
And now the fourth commandment tells us about the when of worship. Especially on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, we must, as the Catechism says, frequent or diligently frequent the church of God. And Hebrews 10.25 says the same thing in different words, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In gratitude to our Savior, we come and keep this Sabbath day. Consider this teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism and the Fourth Commandment on the basis of Scripture under the theme, not forsaking the Sabbath assembly. First, the Sabbath calling positively, and then negatively, Sabbath forsaking, and then finally, Sabbath exhorting. The Fourth Commandment as listed in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 is significantly positive. It's a positive commandment. Instead of thou shalt not, as we find in the first three commandments, the fourth commandment begins positively. It includes negative as well, but first starts with the positive. That's important. You'll notice that the Heidelberg Catechism in its explanation of the fourth commandment, also maintains this positive character of the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It does that in Lord's Day 38 in not including a list of thou shalt not. It doesn't speak of any negative in its explanation of the fourth commandment, except perhaps for one when it says, cease from my evil works cease from my evil works, but the rest of the explanation is positive. What we are called unto on the Sabbath day. And so that's the focus of this first point of the sermon. Appropriate in considering the fourth commandment. A positive keeping of the Sabbath. What we're called unto. This commandment tells us what we are supposed to do. What we're supposed to fill our day with. And in filling our day with these activities positively, then we don't find time for many of the other activities which God does not call us to on the Sabbath day. But before we delve into some of the specifics regarding what we are to fill the Sabbath day with positively, let's first be clear about when. That's the question of this fourth commandment, when the Sabbath is. In the Old Testament, as you know, the Jews kept the Sabbath day on the seventh day, the, the last day of the week. The fourth commandment says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. And following the pattern of creation week, God created, He did that earthly labor for six days and then rested on the seventh, the last day of the week, what we call Saturday. And following that pattern, the, the Old Testament believers rested on the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. But in the New Testament, there was a slight shift 
There was not the doing away of the fourth commandment, as some might claim today. The saints still knew in the New Testament that they were to keep one day of seven as a day of rest. And yet, they began to rest in the New Testament on the first day of the week rather than the seventh day of the week. The explanation being that on the first day of the week, Jesus Christ, the Savior of His church, rose from the dead. Put yourself, children, in in the shoes of the saints back in the New Testament, at the beginning of the New Testament, when Jesus died. There was great turmoil and trouble of soul. Unrest, we would say. Unrest. As the Lord, their Savior, their Master died, and they didn't understand what was going on. And then, and then that great day came. Three days after He died, Jesus rose from the dead. And when He rose and He appeared to His church, there was rest to their soul. Peace, He said repeatedly after His resurrection. Peace be unto you. And the church in seeing the resurrection, the resurrected Lord, rested in knowing that He had indeed conquered their sins. That He had indeed gained victory over their death and over their hell. That the Lord was living and He would govern all things for their benefit. Rest came to the church. And so that New Testament church began to rest on the first day of the week, especially remembering the risen Lord of rest. The fulfillment of Sabbath rest. That's what the word Sabbath means. It means the rest that God gives to our souls in Jesus Christ. The New Testament church did that. We find that in history of the New Testament, Acts 20, verse 7, upon the first day of the week, the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. That's the church in Troas in Acts 20, verse 7. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, Paul speaks to the church of Corinth about their worship On the first day of the week, upon the first day of the week, we read, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Referring especially to the offering. You come together and you gather the offerings. On that first day of the week, Paul says. And besides Scripture, there are many historical sources which show us that as there's a rec- there are records as soon as A.D. 35, after Jesus' resurrection, soon after, records are kept to show that the church began celebrating the Sabbath day on the first day of the week in distinction from the Jews who did not believe in Jesus. They continued on Saturday while the church of the New Testament kept the Sabbath on Sunday. On this Lord's Day, this first day of the week, the church is positively commanded to rest. He said the, first, the fourth commandment is primarily positive. The word Sabbath means rest. 
And so positively, children, when we think about Sunday, when we think about keeping the Sabbath day, we should think about resting. Not from, first of all, not resting from our labors, though that's part of it, but first, resting in. Resting in Jesus Christ. That's what we are to think about when we think about rest or Sabbath. Jesus Himself said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sabbath rest is, first of all, a gift. Even before a command. Sabbath rest is, first of all, a gift of Jesus Christ. To those who believe, Hebrews 4, verse 3, a few chapters back, for we which have believed do enter into rest. Sabbath rest is the rest of trusting in Jesus Christ and knowing that there is peace between you and God. That because of the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, there is forgiveness of all our sins. Sabbath rest is the assurance that God gives us through faith. That we have forgiveness now. And we will have forgiveness throughout our lives and on judgment day also. Sabbath rest is knowing that we have eternal rest and glory. And no one can take that away from us. It's first of all a gift. It's about the finished work of Jesus Christ. That He did all the work for our salvation that we might rest. And we don't have to do work for our salvation. And so, when we cease from our earthly labors, that is symbolic. That is a picture. That is an expression of God's people that we rest in Jesus. We rest. Not in our work, but in Jesus. On the day of rest, too, we rest not in our Sabbath keeping. That's a subtle way of compromising the Gospel. We rest not in our Sabbath keeping. We rest in Jesus Christ. All through the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, God's people rested on the Sabbath day to focus upon the rest they have in Jesus. Which brings us positively to one of the most important points about the Sabbath day. And that is, as we rest in Jesus Christ, this day does not become a day of inactivity. But it becomes a day of spiritual activity. Sabbath rest is not a day to sleep away. Of course, we may enjoy physical rest and, and, 
and sleep, but it's not a day in which we sleep the whole day away or we are idle. That there is spiritual activity, even, even a busyness in this spiritual or holy activity. As we rest in Jesus Christ, there, there stirs within our hearts a desire to bring forth such spiritual activity and thanks and to dedicate the whole day for that. The words of the commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Another word for remember, children, is the word commemorate. So the Sabbath day is a day to commemorate, to observe, Think about our Savior. And in thinking about our Savior, to worship Him. Remember, the Sabbath day does not mean this. It does not mean that you wake up in the morning and you remember, oh, it's Sunday. And then you forget about the rest of the day. Or it's not, it's Sunday, and then you go back to sleep for the rest of the day. But remember means careful thought about the significance of this day which stirs within our hearts worship, spiritual activity, to keep it holy, holy activity. And though we can list all kinds of spiritual, holy activities that Scripture reveals, I limit myself to what Hebrews 10 speaks about. First in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. He said that's prayer. Sabbath day is a, is a day of prayer. So I ask you, beloved, do you, do you keep the Sabbath day? I'm not asking whether you keep out of your day a list of 20 things, as the Pharisees might make a list. But, but rather, I'm asking you, do you keep the Sabbath day in that you pray? You engage in that spiritual activity, even you make prayer more of a priority on this day than the other days of the week. Though you pray the other days of the week also. And you focus on heartfelt prayer for the church, for one another, for the peace of Israel. And also in praise and thanksgiving for your God and your Savior. Prayer. That's how we keep the Sabbath day. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. This holding fast is not a mindless activity. Sometimes when we read that holding fast, we, we might think of, of a certain stubbornness. Just mindlessly stick to our guns and not change our mind. No, the hold fast there is a mindful activity in which we think about what we profess, that is what we confess, the doctrines of God's Word, that which you profess at your profession of faith, young people. And you think about those doctrines. You can't hold fast to doctrines if you don't know them, you don't refresh your memory regarding them, and develop in your understanding of them. You'll give them up pretty quickly. And so on the, on the Sabbath day, you hold fast to those doctrines, you continue confessing those doctrines, you discuss those doctrines, you read, you read about those doctrines in the Word and in good Christian books. 
Beloved, do you keep the Sabbath day? Again, it's, I'm not giving you a list of thou shalt nots, but you fill your day with prayer, first of all, and, and holding fast to God's Word, the doctrines. And third, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The Sabbath day is for loving one another and doing good works for each other. Visiting the sick, caring for each other in your home, showing hospitality. The more the text says we provoke one another unto that. More on that in a few moments. The point is that God's people are to stir each other up unto love and good works. Not sinful works, but good works. All kinds. On the Sabbath day. And then the particular holy activity, the specific good work, the main activity of the Lord's day, Hebrews tells us, the assembling of ourselves together. Or the catechism tells us, that I especially on the Sabbath that is on the day of rest diligently frequent the church of God. So all those activities, prayer, profession of, or holding fast to the profession of our faith and, and provoking one another to good works, all three come to their expression Throughout the day, the Sabbath day, even during the week, but come to the climax on, in worship as we assemble with each other. We pray. We hold fast to the profession of our faith. And we provoke each other unto love and good works. Catechism lists the different elements of worship, of formal worship, preaching first of all, and sacraments, congregational prayer, giving of our offerings. The most important word is the word church, or as the text in Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, assemble. The word church in the catechism means assemble or assembly. We can read it this way. Diligently frequent the assembly of God. That's what the Sabbath day is for. As much as possible, it's not always possible for every individual, but as much as possible, the keeping of the Sabbath day is gathering together in church, as we call it. Coming to the presence of each other in God's house. It's not staying home and watching it live stream. That's not assembling. Obviously, that's better than nothing, and we have that benefit of technology in our day and age if we can't come. But as much as possible, the keeping of the Sabbath day is the assembling of ourselves. It's not merely worshiping and and your family, though you do that too, around the dinner table on Sabbath day, you, you perhaps 
engage in more family worship. But it's more than just your own family. It's the assembling of families together on the Sabbath. Yes, it is inconveniencing yourself to leave your house to come to God's house. It is vacating your vacation spot to be where God's people are. The Sabbath day is for this activity of assembling yourselves together in formal worship. As much as possible, notice again, diligently frequent. Children, diligent means work hard. On the Sabbath day of rest, work hard. Not in your earthly labor, but work hard to frequent. That is to come often to God's house. To rest in your salvation with God's people. To worship Him. To exhort one another. So much the more. Notice. So much the more. Not less and less. In fact, the text says the trend is going to be less and less. You, you, you see that around you. All in this world. The trend is worship, come to God's house less and less. Forsake the assembly of the saints as the manner of some is. And we're tempted to that. You can feel it in your own souls. A, a complaining spirit about worship. Worship services. Especially on the Lord's Day, we might complain about two worship services and then special services besides. The trend is less. And God's people are called here to live antithetical to that trend in the world and in the church world. So much the more as you see the last day approaching diligently frequent the house of God. That's the positive calling of the Sabbath day. Thankfulness for what Jesus Christ has done for us. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The first day of the week, there is this spiritual activity resting in Jesus Christ of engaging in spiritual activities, especially formal worship, of assembling ourselves, then do not forsake this Sabbath day negatively now. And that's not hard, not difficult to understand, having understood the positive. Forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, or forsaking the Sabbath, is to allow really anything to displace and take away from the holy activity that we're supposed to engage in. We don't need to come up with a list, a specific list of thou shalt nots, as, is, as was the mindset of the Pharisees and is our default setting as well. But as we rest in Jesus Christ and try to live a life full of worship on the Sabbath, we know that the many gray areas, as we call them, 
we're, we're too busy in spiritual activities to engage in those gray area ones. The whole day is to be set aside for these spiritual activities. Specifically, we're not to engage in our normal earthly work. That's the explicit negative in the fourth commandment. Thou shalt not do any work. The word for work in that fourth commandment is not the scientific definition of work as we have it today. The scientific definition of work today is work equals force times distance. That's not what the work there is. That, that's, that's not what the text is speaking of. The word for work in the Scripture here is servile work. You'll find that in many descriptions of the Old Testament regarding the work that is forbidden on the Sabbath. Servile work. That's how the King James Version translates it. It's the work of your normal occupation. Work that you normally or ordinarily engage in in your home, for school, on your job. To keep this day holy is to set it apart as different, as special. Putting aside the normal, ordinary labors of this earth so that you might dedicate this day into the spiritual work of worship. Yes, there are exceptions. Jesus speaks of exceptions regarding necessity when an ox is in a ditch or exceptions when we must show mercy. He healed many people. In our tradition, we have allowed for those in the medical field to work and mercy and policemen to work for necessary protection. But be careful, because it's very easy for our human hearts to make the exception the rule. God's people, whether, whether nurses or policemen or, or of any occupation, want to, stirred by the Spirit in them, to put aside the normal, ordinary work as much as possible that they might rest in Jesus Christ and worship Him. Engaging in that spiritual activity. In addition to setting aside the normal earthly occupation, the Heidelberg Catechism speaks especially about sinful work. We put aside that work. And all, my, all the days of my life, we read, I cease from my evil works. That's obvious. Every day, we are to fight against sin and stop or rest from sin. Christ Jesus has saved us to give us rest not only from the guilt of our sin, but He has also saved us to give us rest from the power of sin. And so every day of the week we seek to rest from that sin, but especially on the Sabbath day we put all our focus on that to fill our day with good works and to omit as much as possible the sinful works. Finally, we are to set aside our earthly pleasures as well. Isaiah 58, verse 14 makes that explicit. Call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. 
and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. There is a dedication of ourself on the Sabbath day so that our earthly pleasures are not that which we pursue, but we find pleasure in the spiritual activities of the day. Wealthy America has made an idol of leisure and entertainment. Sports and games and all sorts of earthly pleasures. Fun in the sun. Little league. Basketball. Family time. Fishing and so on. And those things are not of themselves sinful. But American way of life is to idolize these things. And that is often what is hindering the church of today from keeping the Sabbath day. We would rather go and do those things instead of engage in the holy, spiritual, and pleasurable activities of God's house and of our devotion. People of, people of the church have too much fun so that devotions and prayer and good reading are omitted and worship in God's house are as well. God says, delight, delight in my Sabbath. We as Protestant Reformed people, perhaps, you know, we come twice. We feel the temptation, though. We do. As we look upon the world, we look upon other Christians that we, we're not going to say they're not Christians, Reformed Christians even. We see that they don't dedicate the day unto worship, and they seek their pleasures of this earth. And we're tempted to be envious. Why do we have to go twice, we might say? Why, why do they get to play and, and, and we don't, children might say? Well, since I'm PR, I have to, we might think. That ought not be our attitude. This, is, this isn't about being Protestant Reformed First of all, this is about being a Christian. A Christian doesn't just force himself to do what he has to do. A Christian wants to. Christ has worked that in his heart and her heart. A Christian wants to, and not as little as possible, but as much as possible, obey God's commandments and keep this Sabbath day. The Catechism makes that point when it says, as becomes a Christian. That's a description particularly about giving alms in the formal worship service. But we can apply it more broadly. A Christian wants to come to God's house and engage in these activities of worship, including giving alms. This is 
what a Christian does, the catechism is saying. It's what Christians do. Not just Protestant Reformed Christians. This is what Christians do. It's what he wants to do. And that doesn't mean that Sabbath keeping makes you a Christian. And that your keeping of the fourth commandment earns you salvation. Or diligently frequenting the church of God gets you the rest of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that. But those who enjoy the rest of Jesus Christ, those who are Christians that, and that Christ has made you a Christian, they desire, you desire, to keep the Sabbath. It's the inevitable fruit of being saved. Yes, it's a small beginning. And so as we delight in the Sabbath, there's going to be a part of us all the time that we feel in our souls not wanting to be here, not wanting to frequent the church of God. But as Christ gives us the enjoyment of His rest on the Sabbath day, there's a sanctification, there's a cultivating of our desires so that we grow in our desire. To rest in Christ. And to enjoy His day. The Lord's day of worship. And now a sharp word in application to that point about as becomes a Christian. The sharp word that's implied. To forsake the assembling of yourselves together. To forsake the Sabbath is to show yourself not a Christian. One who impenitently continues in that, willfully. To despise the rest of Sabbath is to despise Christ. Especially His house, for that's where He is, He says. If you scan the following verses in Hebrews 10, at right immediately after the writer of Hebrews warns about forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, he, he, get, he goes into what the forsaking of the assemb assembly implies, that there is a forsaking of Christ or apostasy. And verse 26, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Hebrews gets into the very sharp words about how the life of Sabbath breaking is proof that you're not a Christian. And thus I call you, you who have broken the Sabbath. Yeah, we all do. Even today. Who have in measure to some extent, forsaken the assembling of ourselves together, that we repent, you and I, recognize our sins, and turn to Jesus Christ and rest in Him for your forgiveness, and for your salvation, and for your help in better Sabbath keeping. And while resting in Him, 
we seek to obey the fourth commandment in thanks and gratitude. And that Sabbath keeping is not only that which you as an individual seek to engage in, but we do so together, exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. That's the, the word in verse 25 of Hebrews 10. Exhorting one another. Sabbath keeping is an activity of a group, not only as we assemble, but as we encourage each other to assemble. That's the point of that text when it says exhorting. We do what the psalmist does. We say to each other as we anticipate the Sabbath day, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. As implied in the psalm, Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. There is an exhortation even before we come to God's house. Let's together come. And then as we are here, having worshipped, exiting to the narthex and to the parking lot, we express to each other, this is a delight. We should be here. We talk to each other. Where, where were you last Sunday? We missed you. To encourage each other in this Sabbath keeping. So much the more as you see these last days upon you. That's not only in Hebrews 10. That's in the word of the commandment itself, especially to parents, to fathers. Sabbath keeping is not an individual activity. The commandment itself speaks to fathers, to mothers. In it thou shalt not do any work, and then list, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, thy cattle, the stranger that is within thy gates. There's especially heads of household. There is this Encouragement of your families. Parents, this encouraging or exhortation of your families is not, is not only a rebuke of your son or your daughter if he's not coming to church or doesn't want to get out of bed. They need to see in mom and dad this, this joy, this delight, and the desire to come to God's house. That they may follow your example and join the saints in worship. The greatest of activities. The greatest of delights. To promote this Sabbath keeping, the catechism includes the support of the gospel ministry. That's what it starts out with. First, that the ministry of the gospel in the schools be maintained. Because if there is no education of men to the gospel ministry, there will be no preaching. Without preaching, formal worship service is deficient. So we give of our offerings, not only to support the poor, but to support the training of men and the gospel ministry. The church together might enjoy this Sabbath day. And as we enjoy this Sabbath day, there are many spiritual benefits. The main one being hope. As your name indicates, hope. 
hope increases. So much the more, Hebrews 10.25, as ye see the day approaching. And commentators explain that text in this way, especially in these last days, as judgment day comes closer. These are evil days, and we need, we need all the spiritual food and drink we can receive in God's house. So that is a proper explanation of that text. But more, I believe. This text is especially talking about the cultivating of our hope. In these last days, as the world tempts us with all sorts of pleasures to draw us away from worship, as, as the world tempts us with persecutions, what we need most, in a very, very despairing life, with all of its trials and hardships, is hope. Hope. And so on the Sabbath day, God gathers us. He assembles us. He directs our attention on the spiritual things of His Word to Christ who is our rest, that our hearts cling not to the tempting pleasures of the world, that our hearts cling to the things above. Our hearts look forward to the eternal heavenly kingdom rather than to the things of this earth. For there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Sabbath keeping is God's manner of cultivating within our hearts a greater hope as we anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Amen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we have despised Thy Sabbaths, in mercy look upon Jesus Christ. In Him we rest as our righteousness for the remission of our sins, the one sacrifice necessary to perfect us. According to Thy covenant promises, we pray, put Thy law, including the fourth commandment, in our hearts. Stir us up in thanksgiving so we delight more and more in worship on the Sabbath. And as these last days are upon us, so much the more, O oh God, make us love the Sabbath and love for Thee and Jesus Christ, our rest. And cultivate within our hearts a greater delight that the pleasures and the earthly work on this earth may not encroach upon the Sabbath day, but rather the opposite might happen. That the spiritual pleasures of the Sabbath day may encroach upon the other days of the week instead. There are more spiritual activities not only on Sunday, but every other day for Thy glory. These things we pray, looking forward to the great hope that we have and the eternal rest laid in store for us in heaven. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations, Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day sermons on Wednesdays, and topical podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hope rwc at gmail.com. Thank you.